Welcome to the Nonprofit Growth Show, presented by Nonprofit Megaphone, the podcast where we highlight nonprofit leaders in the trenches who share the strategies and tactics they use to grow their organizations and make a difference each day. As we like to say, if you want to be discouraged by a general sense of decay, read the news. But if you want to be inspired by concrete stories of growth, talk to a nonprofit. Here's to the modern day superheroes, the nonprofit leaders. Let's dive in. Hey, everyone. We're here with Kiwa Jones. She's the Director of Development at Code Crew. Kiwa, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, Grant. I'm happy to be here. We are happy to have you. And I am uh, really excited, big fan of your work and really excited to jump in, as has become our tradition, right into the thick of it. I was wondering if you could tell us a story of a dramatic or suspenseful or exciting moment that has happened in your development career. Absolutely. So being a nonprofit development professional means adhering to deadlines, especially if grant writing is a part of one's responsibilities. In preparing for grant deadlines, I typically plan to have the grant ready for review at a minimum, probably about a week prior to to give everybody that's going to review the grant time to proof and then return it to me to provide any updates. During my time at a nonprofit, I was tasked with writing a $400,000 federal pass-through grant requiring several working parts and departments to complete the grant. Unfortunately, my request for information to a senior leader, in my opinion, were going ignored. Oh, no. (laughs) I was not receiving the required information to complete the grant. I would send emails. I would copy my immediate supervisor. And to no avail, I was still not able to receive the information I needed. I recall being at FedEx waiting for an email that never came and missing the deadline to have the grants shipped out overnight. Oh, It was really an unfortunate turn of events, and um, it kind of started a snowball effect into like just the turmoil that comes when people are trying to, I guess, jock for territory, when it's really one of those roles being in development or being in grant writing is one of those roles that requires someone to know the inner workings of every single department within an organization. And they have to be privy to information that your CEO, your CFO, um, your your HR department, we have to know all of that information, especially if we're writing grants that would supplement someone's salary. And so that was the thing that was the hurdle, like not mm. getting that information is what, what caused us to miss out on a $400,000 grant. That is so painful. That sounds incredibly <laughs> frustrating, I'm sure, at the time. Absolutely. Like, I'm trying to do my job and help you guys out. What's going on? Uh, That is painful. Okay. Thank you for sharing that because I'm sure that is probably uh, less uncommon than you would hope experience. So, Right. (laughs) Um, Cool. Tell us a little bit about yourself. How did you get to where you are today um, at Code Crew? What was that journey like? So interesting enough, I um, stayed in Memphis for college. I graduated with a degree in sports management, um, but that opened up the door after graduation to my first job out of college, which was working for the Memphis Redbirds, who at the time were the only sporting entity in the country that was a 501c3. I wore three different hats while I was there, and one being the coordinator of the foundation. So within the gates of AutoZone Park, I would have to write and receive 
I would write and receive my first grant from the Payback Foundation, which is the foundation founded by Peyton Manning, who, as you know, has a tie and a relationship to Tennessee. Writing the Payback Foundation grant was always one that I was excited to write and to submit, not just at AutoZone Park with the Redbirds, but also when I would go on to other nonprofits here within the city of Memphis. While they no longer have an open RFP process, it is great to know that a grant that I wrote for a different nonprofit is still being funded to this day. My grant writing and community relations work would open the door to a 12-year nonprofit career, as well as me serving on the community, serving in the community on boards and on advisory committees. In my career, I've seen to have forged a path to where I've been the first in my role, whether it be grant writer or whether it be a development director. Being the first has allowed me a clean slate to make the roles my own and to kind of build an organization's development structure from scratch. Oddly enough, I actually enjoy doing that. That has led me to the wonderful organization that I now serve as the development director, which is Code Crew, where I've been since February of this year. So that's kind of the path for me. Um, I've served in Memphis. I've also worked in Miami and had the opportunity to, while there, work within community relations at the championship track in Homestead, which is south of Miami. And I got to serve and work with a lot of nonprofit organizations during my time there as well. And so for me, nonprofit is home. Um, Fundraising is home. A lot of people have a fear of fundraising. Um, They don't like asking people for money. And my my thing is the worst they can tell you is no. But at the end of the day, they don't they don't say no and don't come back asking. Like typically it's not right now. Um, But it's one of those things. If you can get them bought into the story that you're selling, most people typically tend to give. Really smart. I love it. That is a cool journey. And fast forwarding now to the present day with Code Crew, is there a story you could tell us that for you sort of encapsulates the impact that the organization is making? It's always hard just to pick one story when it comes to Code Crew. (laughs) (laughs) But just to give a little background, Code Crew empowers and mentors underrepresented communities in tech to be tech innovators and leaders through practical hands-on computer science training. We do this through four buckets, K through 12 programming, which consists of in-school electives and after-school programs and summer programs, as well as exposure events. Also under that umbrella, which is kind of its own uh, bucket, is our teacher training, which is where we train teachers to provide computer science education at their schools. At Code Crew, we realize because we're a very small staff, we can't be everything for everybody within the city of Memphis or even in the country when we get asked to come to other cities. So we think that to be able to touch more students, how we're going to do that is through our teacher training. So that's one of the programs that I'm helping our executive director, Mecca Gwekwe, to kind of build that program so that it can become a so that we can become a national training provider for computer science. The other bucket is our advocacy work. Mecca earlier this year successfully had legislation passed in both House and the Senate here in Tennessee. Um, Surprisingly enough, out of all of the states that border Tennessee, Tennessee was the only state that did not have the standards that Code.org, when it comes to computer science, says that a state should have. Hmm. So Mecca 
lobbied and, and helped pass, get legislation passed so that he will now be a part of a team that will create a plan for computer science to be offered in every high school across the state of Tennessee, which means that our work will now touch at least a million students across the state of Tennessee. Wow. <laughs> and then the the one that's kind of near and dear to my heart, which leads to the the story of how we're making one of store one of the stories of how we're making a difference is our adult code school, which actually just launched last year. Prior to launching Code School or Memphis was the only city, was the largest city in the United States that did not have an adult full-time coding boot camp. Fascinating. Mecca, actually, the story behind that is that we had a graduate from one of our local high schools who graduated in 2017. He knew that college really wasn't an option for him because of the pay. Um, but he also knew he wanted to continue pursuing computer science, which he had learned throughout our program. And the young man did some research, found that, of course, your San Francisco's, your New York cities, they all have tons of boot camps. Memphis did not have one. He found out that there was one in Nashville right up the road and decided to move with his grandmother to Nashville. He would ride the bus for six months finish that program and become a full-time software engineer in less than six or right at six months, making over $50,000 at 18. Wow. So our executive director said no more of that. We're no longer allowing our students to leave the city limits to go be prosperous. We we can (laughs) have the bandwidth and we have the wherewithal to be able to put forth our own adult boot camp here in Memphis. And so we launched the code school back in um, July of last year. And so one of um, my favorite stories about that program outside of how it even began is the story of Maya, who graduated in our inaugural cohort. Maya's 27 years old. She has three kids. She was working part-time at Walgreens, making like $10 an hour um, and wasn't getting like full-time hours. And so she knew she wanted to change her life and to and to have a better path for her kids. So she decided to join our code school. When I say she graduated like with full honors and did the work, she did that. She came out with three job offers, full-time job wow. offers. Um, and the the part of the story for her that always tugs at my heartstrings is the fact that Collectively, that class only made $6,700 annually when, the, when it came time to like file their taxes. Maya herself made about $5,500. She's now making over $50,000 full-time wow. with benefits. And then to take it a step further with having her three kids, she petitioned her two older kids' school principal to allow her to launch a coding after school program last spring. So not only did she graduate with honors, but she saw the need for computer science education and for kids to be exposed to computer science, launched this after school program. And so she, in essence, was working for Code Crew and was teaching third through fifth grade students, about 24 of them, once a week. So it's kind of a full circle slash two gen model because she's now taking what she learned 
and is applying it to the community where her kids go to school. So that's one of those stories that's always been near and dear to me. And one of the things that I think our organization is doing very well and making a difference in, in Memphis. Absolutely incredible. That is such a cool set of stories. Thank you for sharing. And I love it. I mean, we're like, we're the biggest city in the country that doesn't have a program. Let's make one. And, and now here it is. Um, that is incredible. Okay. Um, if we jump into now on the fundraising and development side, and I feel like I'm already getting a graduate level <laughs> course in fundraising, just listen to you tell these stories. But is there a tactic or strategy that you've found to be particularly helpful in your development work that others might be able to experiment with as well? Honestly, Grant, my tactic is, is just being passionate about the work that you're speaking about. I don't believe there's a secret sauce to this work. There there just isn't. If you get someone who can passionately tell how your organization is impacting lives and changing lives, or even if you're an organization that works with animals, how they're helping those animals because they don't have a voice. Like you have to find someone that has that voice that can leave people with goosebumps or leave them with the hairs on their arms raised. it makes you want to tug at their heartstrings. And that's what makes givers give. Um, My executive director and I went on a local news show called Bluff City Life. And during that interview, actually, Janine Gordon was like, she could see the passion and and the brightness. And like my eyes were lit, lit up talking about our work. And I think when the person across from you that you're asking for funding support from when they can see that, that makes them want to give, but also making sure that when you're telling the story and writing, if it's a grant, being able to relay that passion in a way in your words, because they have to feel it when they read it. And so for me, it's really about, I mean, the special tactic is just being passionate about what I'm talking about. I love that you mentioned the goosebumps. I got goosebumps when you were telling the stories. I was like, oh my gosh. See what I mean? There you go. Anyway, it's like, wow, I love that. That is such a good, there should be like a t-shirt that says that on it. Um, Your fundraising stories should give people goosebumps. Um, How do most new donors learn about Code Crew? Are they hearing about it through school or through a friend or through your website? What's the typical path look like for a new donor? I think it's it, it varies because we touch about four to 600 kids a week. So it could be through our K through 12 programming where there's there's if there are parents or teachers or principals, they're learning about our work because of other schools spreading the word. It's one of those like Memphis is very competitive. And so when one school sees another school has something, they're like, OK, I need that at my school. <laughs> and so I love it. the secret sauce is kind of having other people talking about your work um, from that's from like a, a K through 12 school standpoint. Um, but I think the other thing for us is we use social media heavily. Um, we're very active on our platforms and people find out about our events. They find out about the work that we're doing. It varies. So 
for me, I think it's just utilizing all of those avenues. Um, surprisingly enough, we don't have a communications or marketing department or a person that handles that. It's kind of a all hands on deck team effort. And we were just lucky enough. Um, we're going to be receiving some pro bono work from Wonderman Thompson, as well as we were selected by a local organization to do a CAP project. Um, so they have a team of people going through their program called Fellows. This is through the New Memphis Institute. Um, and those fellows will also help us with some communications and marketing and PR initiatives that we're hoping to launch here soon. Um, so it's it's capitalizing on those efforts and networks of people wanting to just support our work. And again, that all came about because we told our story. Um, and so I think it's just my executive director is one of those people that is out in the community a lot. He's very recognizable. He's very approachable. People love him. And so one of the things that I've tasked him with is making sure that he capitalizes on those opportunities and making an ask. Um, and so those are things that I'm working with him on because he's a software developer. He has no experience fundraising. <laughs> so that's, that's exactly why we work well together. He can handle the technical side of the work that we do, and I can handle the fundraising side of what we do. And right now I'm just working on making sure that he has the tools and the comfortableness that he needs to go out and make those asks where I'm not making them. Brilliant. And um, this may not be your department at all, but I'm looking at your website and on the social media, uh, on the social media point, I noticed that where most nonprofits would have, you know, a Facebook and a Twitter and an Instagram, you guys also have a Snapchat. Have, do you have any interaction with how that's gone? Has that been an effective tool for you since you're reaching younger audiences? I think the Snapchat works so good when we have our exposure events and the kids are there. Um, I also think it's going to be a great tool for us to use with our annual fundraiser that we're going to have in the spring. Um, we, When we had the fundraiser last year, FedEx donated selfie sticks and, and guests were able to kind of push social media because they were there using their selfie sticks and posting things in real time. So they kind of became our communications and marketing team at the event. And the same thing goes for when we have our exposure events, whether it be our hour of code, which we have twice a year, one in December and one in May. And then we also have the largest youth hackathon in the city in July. And so our young people, because we're dealing with technology, we have to be on the platforms that they're using. So mm -hmm. to be on one that they use more than the other ones is absolutely imperative. Brilliant. I love it. I love it. We can now jump into a very fun exercise, which is the pro con game where we'll have a little mock debate here and do some friendly sparring. So the question <laughs> that we have teed up is, is Facebook crowdfunding a great opportunity? And Kiwa, would you like to take the side that yes, it is or no, it isn't? I'll take the side that yes, it is. Perfect. Okay. And I will now try and argue against you. So <laughs> why don't you go ahead and make an opening statement on why Facebook crowdfunding is a great opportunity? I will say that Facebook crowdfunding is a great opportunity because it allows people to use their networks to fundraise for organizations that they're passionate about. I love it. Okay. And now my opening statement will be uh, Facebook crowdfunding is not a great opportunity because the nonprofit doesn't get the same information on the donors 
that they would get if maybe they did it through their own website. And so while it can be good one time, then um, it's not as sort of sustainable for the long term. How would you respond? While I understand that con, I will say that one tactic that I have deployed is finding out who's raising funds for you. Because if you can see who that person is that has launched a campaign for your organization, become friends with them, find out who they are, get to know them. They can see who's donated and they can supply you with that information. Or at the least, they can ask the folks that donated to their campaign if they can give permission, if you give them permission to share your information. I think most folks would be okay with that because on the donor side, the donor doesn't know, I don't think, that Facebook does not share their information. True. And so I think of it like I did one for my birthday back in July. And so because I could see who all donated, I was able to, and I and of course everyone was donating to Code Crew. So what I did for me, I sent everyone handwritten thank you notes because I could see who donated. And then from that vantage point, I could also add them into our donor management system at that point because I could see them. So my my approach to to that would be just to suggest find out who it is, find out if they'll ask their their, their donors that donated to their campaign if they can share your information, if it's okay. And if they say yes, then that eliminates that issue. I love it. Okay, that was a beautiful counter argument (laughs) that completely destroyed my objection. (laughs) I love it. Okay, we'll give you the win there. I I agree. Facebook um, crowdfunding, I think, is an enormous opportunity. And that is a very creative solution to the donor data problem. I'd never thought of that in all honesty. So thank you for sharing that. Um, That's one that I've, I've tried to share to a lot of people. Like, if you know who's doing it, just ask them and right. because they can see it. That's so smart. Okay. Let's jump now into some rapid fire questions. If you could describe yourself in one word, what would you say and why? I would say I would consider myself a giver. Um, and I would say that's because I find ways to give of my, not only my treasure, but my time and my talent. Um, I serve on a lot of boards, probably way too many, but one that um, is near and dear to me right now, I'm serving on the board of directors for the Junior League of Memphis as the community outreach director, which again, gives me that opportunity to be a forward-facing advocate for the work that the Junior League does. But um, I would also say, I'm saying give her two because unbeknownst to me earlier in the spring, towards the end of last JLM year, I was voted volunteer of the year, totally unexpected. And so I think being given an honor like that truly goes to being a giver and having a giving spirit. So that's the one word that that I would say about me. Beautifully put. Is there an exciting shift that you're seeing taking place in the nonprofit world that you think is really encouraging? Honestly, I think it's the Facebook, it's Facebook and its use of their platform to allow people to crowdfund for their favorite organizations. The fact that an organization receives every single penny that's donated for me is is huge. That's how I give to Code Crew. I do it through a Facebook donation because I know every single dollar that I give comes back to Code Crew. There are no charges for using a credit card or there are just no the little extra fees that donor donors don't realize may be taken out of their gift 
Um, so that I think Facebook is changing the game when it comes to that. And I think that's an encouraging reason to donate through Facebook. And if you do, just let the organization or the person you you donated know that you you are giving and you want your information shared with that organization. I think that's a great way for not the nonprofit world to utilize Facebook. Brilliant. Really, really smart. Are there people who have been inspiring or encouraging or inspirational to you as you've gone through your nonprofit development journey? Or is there anyone that you'd like to give a shout out to? Absolutely. I would love to shout out Jeanette O'Brien, who serves in a similar role development over at the National Civil Rights Museum. They are doing wonderful work. If you ever get a chance, Grant, to visit Memphis or your audience gets a chance to visit Memphis, the National Civil Rights Museum is an absolute must visit when here in the city. Just the history and everything that happened on that piece of property is vital to Memphis. It's vital to the world. Um, So absolutely want to shout out Jeanette O'Brien. I'd love to shout out Linda McNeil, who is with Gaskell Strategies. Linda was a former board chair of mine at another organization and just her wealth of knowledge and coming up through the nonprofit world is one that I absolutely treasure, but even more so just how she's living her life every day and living it unapologetically. And her and her husband are great friends and inspirations for me. And I just appreciate both Linda and Major McNeil. And then last, but certainly not least, um, my friend, Chris Owens, who is at Alsac St. Jude. Surprisingly, I've known Chris since seventh grade of junior high, and, and we're both fundraisers. Like, I never would have thought that, that we would take the same path in our careers, but we have. And he's been a great friend and an advocate during um, my career. And so he is someone that I absolutely look up to. And I'm super proud of and honored to have him as a friend and a brother. Hmm. That is so cool. Is there something that you understand now that you didn't appreciate to the same degree five or 10 years ago? Yes. Um, it's, it's not work-life balance. It's work-life blending. That's, hmm. that's something I've started using since this summer. So take that vacation, take that mental health day, ask to work from home. You can't be all you want to be for the organization where you serve in your career if you aren't whole yourself. Beautifully put. Um, Keila, thank you so much. I really appreciate you sharing all of these different nuggets of insight with us. And I know that you have a lot going on. So I really appreciate you taking the time. Where can folks learn about you if they want to um, learn more online about either you or Code Crew? So for, for me personally, you can find me. I'm on LinkedIn, Keela D. Jones. Facebook, same thing, Keela D. Jones. Twitter, I am at Keela D. Jones, K-E-L-A-D, as in Donna, J-O-N-E-S. And my Instagram handle is the same as well, at Keela D. Jones. As far as Code Crew, we are all over social media, as you mentioned earlier, Grant. We have a Facebook profile for Code Crew. We also have um, Twitter at code, I think it's underscore code crew. And that's also our Instagram handle as well. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Kayla. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Grant. 
Thanks for listening to the Nonprofit Growth Show presented by Nonprofit Megaphone. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider sharing it with a friend or giving us a rating or review on your favorite podcast network. We appreciate your support. Until next time.